Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Howdy, everybody, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch Podcast, where we talk about, amongst other things, Blizzard Entertainment and its video games. Uh, we also talk about other video games and, and other things, because we're branching out. We're like that. Um, I'm Matt. I'm the host. With me this week are my two absolutely fantabulous co-hosts, uh, Liz Harper and Joe Perez. Say hi to Liz and Joe, everybody. They can't hear you. <laughs> well, you can talk in chat, you know. <laughs> Also, shout out to Corn, who's uh, been asking us a bunch of questions that uh, totally are not Blood God related. Thanks, Corn. I appreciate you. <laughs> Unfortunately, he stopped talking to me. For now. Maybe he just, yeah, who knows? I don't know what happened with that guy. Corn, uh, if you're around, hi. Uh, okay, let's see what we're doing here. I got myself an email full of stuff. There's a lot of stuff, so we're not going to do too much personal chatter. Besides, we end up talking about our personal stuff for like an entire half hour beforehand. You should definitely, if you're not listening to us stream this thing, you should totally do so. Because our pre-show is completely insane. You should definitely come listen to it. It's, First, hmm? it's like what happens when you put the three of us into a room together and say, talk about whatever you want for a half hour. And it's like... Who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's, it's let's not do this show. Let's go back to that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> First thing I want to mention: BlizzCon next year, 2023. We're going to have a BlizzCon again, uh, which feels odd because the last time we had one was in 2019, and honestly, it feels like it was just last year and not three years ago. Oh yeah, because um, time turned into taffy. Oh yeah, uh, exactly. You know, in 2020, and and it still hasn't quite reset because. Honestly, I feel like they're right. 2022 so far has been like like 2020 number two. It's just, let's do it again, everyone. Um, so, yeah. But, yeah, we're going to get a BlizzCon. There was an interview with Mike Ybarra that talked about, amongst other things, that, that we're going to get BlizzCon in 2023. Um, I'm going to be honest. The interview with Mike Ybarra was kind of weird. Did anyone else feel like it was a weird interview? Um, I felt like it was a little... Chopped up. It was kind of a, well, it felt like a kind of softball interview. Yeah. Like, this was really painting Yabara in a nice, friendly light, and he's doing so much to fix the company, and he's doing everything right, and it's a really hard job, but he's doing great. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not saying that none of that is true. Yeah, I'm but it just saying, felt... It's, it's like it, you're interviewing the guy who's in charge of a company that just had two of the worst years possible and and you, the interview is like you know did they go out for pizza after like or maybe it was a pizza date maybe that's why it was like that they were both really really stuffed on pizza and now i have the song it's times. pizza day stuck in my head thanks you're welcome <laughs> but I, I do i do feel like it's still worth knowing we're gonna get blizzcon in 2023 yeah definitely um, i i feel like people who thought we we're gonna get one in 2022 were kind of like over optimistic considering it's july now yeah, And it takes about a year to get this thing off the ground, guys. Uh, having seen the last one they did, it is a mammoth undertaking. Mm-hmm. 
So I, I don't know how you thought we were going to get a surprise BlizzCon. You know, like, surprise, here's your BlizzCon. Why? I didn't expect this at all. Yeah, it turns out it's just this box I handed you. That's that's it? Yeah, it's just BlizzCon in a box this year. Sorry, that's literally all we can do with two months warning, man. You, you think it's easy to get boxes to everybody? That, that's not easy. So, yeah. Um, anything from the interview you want to talk about, uh, either of you? Anything that you've read and thought, what I got to mention this? Nothing specific to me, Liz. No, not really. I mean, like I said, it felt like a bit of a softball interview that went didn't go very hard on him about the issues Blizzard is having. And I kind of felt like maybe we could have gotten a little more depth there and we did. Yeah. And I agree with you on that one, but I also don't know that we're going to get a whole lot of more in depth about yeah. that anytime soon. That, Cause there's anything I say here is going to sound like I'm like f- favoring one way or, or, or trying to excuse it. And I'm not, it's sometimes, you can't talk about things you're doing because of legal stuff in the background. Yeah. And, yeah. And, I know. and, and which is always tricky, right? Because I don't want to judge him based off of a softball interview, but I also can't not judge him. It's, it's weird. Um, just, it felt like it painted him in a really positive light without talking about any of the problems, like without really going into any of the problems yeah. that are going on. And um, this might be a link to another piece of news, problems that they have not really seriously addressed, it sounds like. Yes, I was just going to jump onto that. Uh, We we found out today um, through a tweet that they made that um, the ABK Workers Alliance is going to be doing a a walkout on July 21st across the entire company, not just Blizzard, uh, Activision Blizzard and King. um, So makers of Candy Crush, makers of Call of Duty, and the makers of every other game that's good for Activision. Wow, I'm I'm saucy today. Weird. Um, but yeah, they're having a walkout because they're trying to deal with the gender inequity at all the, every part of the company. And mm-hmm. what the what we mean by gender inequity is not just that they have more men working there than women, uh, or more you know their their non cisgender representation is is very slow, very low, much lower than it should be. That's that's true. That is one of the things they would like to deal with. But it's also pay inequity because across the entire video game industry. So this isn't just an Activision issue, but Activision definitely has a problem with it. Women are not paid the same as men doing the same job. Sometimes women are not paid the same as men doing jobs underneath them. Mm -hmm. And you want an example of this? Uh, Here's, here's a nice one we can give you. Mike Yabara had a co-lead at Blizzard for about a month and a half. She wasn't getting paid as much as him for the exact same job with the exact same job title. And that's a year later. And the company has done very little to address this, according to the ABK Workers Alliance. And I'm inclined to believe them because, you know, this whole time they've been trying to get the lawsuit from the DFEH dismissed. They've been making settlements that are peanut settlements. The settlement that they worked out with the EEH is like pennies on the, on the, on the hundred dollar. It, it is not, what it should have been. So I think it's fair to say there's there's reason for them to be doing this. this the, them having a walkout is not it, surprising, really. With 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 ABK, you know, see, Rave seeing its first union ever uh, recently, the the Raven uh, Studios Q and A team formed a union. We know that there's probably internal pressures and and most likely changes to the company to make those uh, unions less to make that union less powerful, maybe even pull people out of work because that's the, that's the union busting, you know, playbook. Liz knows this better than anybody. So I'm going to have you, what do you think is going to happen with this? What do you think the uh, walkthrough will accomplish if anything? What do you think Activision will do in response? I think the problem is if we don't know how big this walkout is going to be, if it is like a huge walkout, that is something that could push change. But the really hard thing with unionization, with just, workers pushing for change is, you know, if not enough people get involved, then it's just easy to write off. Like the Raven Union is what, like 20 people, 30 people? I think it's, it's very like, small. Yeah, it's in that group, yeah. Yeah, it's tiny. And when you are that few people, it actually would be very easy for the company to just eliminate those positions and say, oh, business demands, we don't need we don't need this many QA workers anymore. Da 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 and they're gone. The union is gone because they've gotten rid of that department or something like that. And that's really what I'm worried is going to happen with them to 
really show the but the power of the employees is actually they have a lot of power because they are what drives the company. They are what drives every yeah. success. If you don't have these workers, you have nothing. But if you don't get everyone, if you don't get a huge number of people pushing for change, then it's very hard to make headway. So I think we're going to we're going to see. We're going to see how it goes because it is difficult for people to walk out because you're risking your job. You are risking your livelihood. It's it's very hard to do this, to commit to this. And so like everyone has to do it for it to work. You've got to have a lot of people on board. And, and I think there's I don't want to I, if this was mentioned, I apologize. Part of this is in response to uh, state legislation that is specifically putting uh, women, LGBTQ plus employees and their families at risk and also with other vulnerable groups. That's why. One of the reasons that they're staging the workout, it's uh, walkout. It's not just internally, uh, you know, it, it is everything that you guys are saying, but it's not just that. It's it's also a reaction to the company hasn't taken a hard enough line, hasn't responded enough to make a, a dedication to protecting these gr- these groups of folks within the company that work in the company that make the products that drive the the uh, economic stability of the company. Uh, where other companies are, like um, Bungie, or uh, as an example, where they basically have flat out said, "No, f off. We're do we're making sure every single person and our our employees has access to everything they need. Period. End of story. Like you know things like that. Where Blizzard is relatively Activision Blizzard is relatively quiet about that. And even if they do say something, it's not far enough for a lot of folks. And it, there's really not a good policy or or statement saying that or what they're going to do to do it. It's almost like, you know, we're going to do this. Okay. Well, how are you going to do that? We're going to do this. Um, so that that's a part of it as well. But I agree with Liz very, very, very vehemently, um, that they have a lot of power as far as employees go right now. There's part of it is how many people walk out and I think it's going to be a large number, but it's also how many of those people that are working there, how many of their immediate managers, the ones who actually know them, know their names, and know who they are, are on board with it. Because here's the thing. The board doesn't know who these individual people are, right? Like, um, there have been people that have, have in the past that have, have put themselves out there very publicly and have definitely paid a price for it because their name was plastered everywhere. But if they don't know who you are individually, like, C-level executives barely know, like, the employees' names, um, I'm not saying that's absolutely the case. I'm sure there's people that the C-level executives at Blizzard do know, but they're not going to know like QA worker number seven or, you know, production uh, assistant number three. Their managers do. And if their managers are supporting them in that walkout, then that's even more power in the employee's hands because now the managers, are like, I don't know who's out there. Sorry. Like the, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. And it's easy to, for folks at home to say that like nothing will change, but it's continued. Right. Like this is continued and sustained. This hasn't stopped. And as long as they can can continue and sustain the pressure to force them to make their work environment better, even if it's not just, you know, uh, unionizing, but it's just putting the pressure to make those policies in place to leverage what they have, then, yeah, I'm, I, I, there's there's a potential to keep keep moving this progress bar forward. Um, and I apologize. I'm still like my brain is still waking up a little bit because I took an accidental nap before the podcast. Um, but hopefully, you understand what I'm trying to say there. Yeah. And I think Matt's trying to talk with us right now. That it helps explain my problem. Okay, <laughs> push the right <laughs> button. Alrighty there. Feels weird to move on to what I'm about to move on, but hey, sometimes segues are good, and sometimes they're not. Um, Diablo three is having its its PTR for the the next patch. I think it's uh two. I can't remember the number of the patch off the top of my head, but it's for season twenty seven, um, which is going to have these angelic crucibles introduced, which will allow you to sanctify various pieces of gear. A sanctified piece of gear will basically transform it into something along the lines of a a primal ancient legendary with stats to match, and it will also, in addition to any legendary power it already has will gain one of three new powers per class. Uh, and so you're basically getting an extra, it's sort of like getting an extra Kanai's cube slot, but a new, but with a new power instead of one of the powers they already have. Um, 
We did a post about it last week, but as we're recording this right now, the PTR is live. Uh, so if you are a Diablo 3 player who is looking forward to getting to see what's going on with all that, uh, you can do so right now. Download the PTR and then go on and, and find out. There's three new powers per class, so a total of, I think, 21 since there's seven classes. Um, I'm gonna. I'm just going to pick a class at random that isn't Barbarian because no one would believe I picked Barbarian random. <laughs> Uh, necromancer. So yeah, we'll go with the necromancer. The three powers are, you know, your golem now picks up corpses within 20 yards. Each corpse it stores allows you to cast any corpse spending ability <laughs> with the max number of corpses consumed per cast. Up to 30 cast corpses can be stored. I really wish I'd read this before I read it. Um, I'm just imagining someone walking up to a golem and like smacking it in the back going, this thing can fit so many corpses in it. Um, next power, <laughs> enemies within 50 yards are constantly assaulted by the army of the dead unconventional warfare while this item is equipped and the third power hitting enemies with death nova f f uh, five consecutive times adds a spirit that afflicts an enemy every fifth cast of death nova up to three spirits can be sent at a time i'm not sure what that spirit does but sure yeah that's man necromancers are weird, are weird. they're gonna be so weird anyway that's one of like every class has some things like this like the wizard ones are, are nutty the demon hunter ones are actually kind of fun I also feel like the barbarian ones are a little meh. They're 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 mm -hmm. not that great comparatively. Um, but yeah, the, 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 that's basically going to be the season is built around these angelic powers and these angelic sanctified items, and it's basically the, the angel version of what they did in season twenty five with the the gems that gave you various powers. But I will say that it's less. I don't like the word impactful. I, I, I feel like it's PR speak. It's something people came up with because they didn't want to say, I feel like there's less to this than there was to season 25, which had a lot of interplay between the abilities and you could have multiple gems and you could really go for a, a, a class changing build here. You'll get one sanctified item and that's it. Like you can have more in your bags, but you can only use one at a time. And that feels somewhat limiting compared to like i believe you could have a major and a minor um with the gems in season 25 like you could have one of four gems in your weapon and then one of three gems in your hat and they had interplay between them so a little disappointed in that but there's also a lot of class balancing stuff happening they're they're doing things for various classes uh i don't know if either of you played diablo 3 at the moment uh, i know joe has played in the past i think i know you've played in the past liz but i don't know if either of you are playing it right now Nah, no, I'm not. I only so many hours in the day to play games. Yeah, I've been yeah. branching off to other ARPGs. Yeah, I've actually gotten back into Diablo 3 because I was playing Diablo Immortal for a while, and I actually like Diablo Immortal, and I'll probably go back to it once I get bored with Diablo 3. But uh, since the season was in the middle of going, I figured I could try and push it, and next thing I know, I'm like at Paragon 750 or something. So, <laughs> you know, yay. But at the same time, I definitely feel like I'm going to move this into discussing something else that happened because I think the two things are kind of related. Namely that uh, we got the announcement this week that Heroes of the Storm is finally going into what they call maintenance mode. Mm -hmm. uh, there's not going to be any new development for Heroes of the Storm. They're going to basically just keep it running for people who are who are still going to play it, but they're not going to be coming up with like new events and new skins and all that stuff. That's pretty much done. I feel like that's, I don't want to say a mistake, but it does feel like Heroes of the Storm, they, they've basically had it like that for the past several years, except for a couple of really, really hardworking developers who still put stuff out under like, you know, much less support than they used to be getting. I feel like this is a wasted opportunity, but it also, I feel like I'm looking at the future of Diablo 3 because, I mean, we know Diablo 4 is coming out next year. Yeah. And we talked about this last week to a degree, but it really kind of hit me. Is this the way Diablo three is going to go? Is it going towards maintenance mode type stuff? And if it is right now, it doesn't, there's stuff in Diablo three right now that if it's allowed, if, if it goes into maintenance mode, the stuff will be permanent. The stuff will just be part of it. And it really shouldn't be. There is some significantly weird stuff that I hope they get to fixing before they end development. Does that make sense? Yes, but also I don't know that any game in the history of games that have ever gone into maintenance mode. This is this is not a uniquely Blizzard thing, by the way. Oh um, no, I know, I know. I'm, this is well, that's for the folks at home. <laughs> um, but it's they generally don't go back and fix it unless there's 
something really egregious to to take care of. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying is I hope before they go into maintenance mode, because that hasn't happened yet, they, they're obviously putting season 27 out. They might be putting season 28 out. That means that there's only so much time before mm-hmm. they can't. Well, here's one example. Every barbarian build uses two weapons now. Because with two weapons, you can get two gems and two different legendary powers or a set bonus. And there's just no way that two-handed weapons can compete. So every Barbarian build tells you to take whatever two-hand weapon that drops for you that has a cool power, toss it in the cube, and use that as your power, and then equip two different one-handers that will each have powers, and now you've got three powers. Where if you use a two-hander weapon, you'll only have two powers, because you'll have the cube power and your two-hander, and that's it. And that's that to me feels broken. It feels like if you're going to have a game like Diablo 3 where you're dropping two-handed weapons, you know, for a Crusader, it's not a problem because they just take a talent and then they can use a two-hander and a shield and they get their two legendary powers that way. For a Barbarian, there should be something like that to fix this, to make two-handers viable as a build weapon. Can, can I ask a, what may be a terrible question? Does it actually matter? It, like, and, At this and, point, does it matter? It matters to me. Right, but I, I mean, brought it up. But I'm just saying, in the grand, and I'm trying to look at this from like the broader spectrum, like something like that, I, like maintenance mode in general, is a weird space because we've also seen that that games that probably we wouldn't have expect to have active development have absolutely had stuff like look at Diablo two, Diablo two Resurrected had had them go back and fix things that were broken for darn near twenty years, right? Um, they went back and they fixed them. So they might go back and do it for that. But I mean, it's, it becomes, is it a priority versus? Oh, it's absolutely not a priority. That's yeah. why I'm saying, I hope that there's somebody doing it before they finally do fully sunset. Yeah. Um, Cause we know there's at least one more patch coming. Cause it's on the PTR right now. I don't think that even if season 27 lasts as long as the longest seasons have lasted, I don't think Diablo four will be out before it ends. Okay. And if that's the case, then we'll get one more patch after that. And then I think that there's a good chance Diablo 4 could be out at that point. Um, kind of, but, a, we're, we're, we're tangenting a little bit too far, I think. But like, yeah, I'm, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, but at this point, though, you're right that we are tangenting. So I'm going to move on to something a little bit more <laughs> not tangenty. Uh, there were several uh, things released by the World of Warcraft uh, team, previews and so forth. They did a preview of the Hunter and uh, Rogue Talent Bills. I think they did that right after we did last week's podcast. Um, yeah, they did a Drakthir customization thing this week. I think was that yesterday? Yeah, yeah. My God, time, time. The day before? No, it was yesterday. Yeah, it was yesterday. Yeah. So the I, I've looked at both of them. I actually looked at all the talent things because I was writing up a thing for the site, and I'm interested. We've had spirited talent discussions before, and I don't feel like we need to go into <laughs> another one of them. But I will say that I thought it was interesting to see how the way this is going to work, you basically get a talent point every level from like level 10 on to level 70. But 30 of those talent points are for your specialization and 31 are for your class talents. And everybody gets the class talents. They are universal. Like you, everyone has the class talent tree and then every specialization has its own specialization tree. Looking at the way this is going to work, there's certain abilities that people have right now. They just have them. Like every class has things that are just part of the class. Some of those things are becoming talents. A lot of them uh, are, it looks like. And some of those things that are becoming talents are becoming talents that are relatively easy to get. Like misdirect is not very far down the tree. Um, if you want to get it, you it's in the class tree. It's like four rows in. So it's there's a little work to get there, but not, not tremendously. But then others are like row eight or row nine of the tree. Like I, I remember Serpent's Sting struck me because it's way down there. And I'm like, Beastial Wrath is pretty deep too, isn't it? Yeah, I think uh, it is actually. Although there's, there's Beast Mastery. Just taking Beast Mastery gets you Kill Command immediately. You just get Kill Command if you're a Beast Mastery or Survival, I believe. Um, but yeah, like I think Beast uh, Beastial Wrath is like down near like row eight. I'm not looking at it right now, so I'm just just trying to remember from what I was reading. I do think we had a post about it um, because Liz put in the thing, write a post about this, and and when I see those, mm-hmm. I try to do it. Um, one of the things I thought was interesting is it's hard for me to judge this because a, my hunter is at best a secondary character that I just play. Cause I like it. And I don't, I'm not particularly expert at it, but I do feel like you, there's a balancing act to be had between talents and abilities. 
like that you pick and talents and abilities, like and abilities that are just baseline to the class. Yeah, like that's and, that's what struck me about in particular the hunter preview. Sorry, I don't mean to, yeah. to interrupt, but no, like, that's fine. But it, Beast of Wrath is the call out for me, right? But one of the things that it makes me think about is where's the line? Like uh, using warriors as an example, because you know we all know I play warriors into the if if Mortal Strike is a highly placed talent that's hard to get and you might not be able to get it and get something else you want. That doesn't bother me because Mortal Strike in my head is always that kind of thing. Even though nowadays it's just an arms ability. For years, Mortal Strike was the 31-point talent. It was the the capstone of arms. So I'm that doesn't feel like something that you can get too upset if they make it a talent. But if they made charge a talent, even if it was a real easy talent to get, can you imagine a warrior without charge? Is that... Does that make sense? Is that accessible? Can you accept that? And I don't, I don't know the answer. For, I think for everybody it would be different. But it is something I'm really thinking about looking at these talent trees. The rogue in particular, I was like sitting here going, okay, the rogue, I'm not sure how this is going to work for some people. Some of these things that are pretty far apart, people are going to want. And I don't know how they'll get them. So it, it is, they themselves are upfront about this. Uh, I, I know Liz... Uh, Either you or somebody else edited it. Probably was you. Um, they have a I thing right. Did not. Oh, okay. There you go. Cool. Uh, then you then you'll be reacting to this as if you hadn't. You didn't. <laughs> There's a bit there where where Blizzard flat out just says, "Yes, we know this means that you can make a bad talent choice. You can make a bad build with this. That's that's part of having choices and talents." Is that if in order for choices to be meaningful, there have to be meaningful choices. In order for choices to be meaningful, they have to have repercussions. They have to change the way you play or affect the way you play. And that means that you might make a talent build that's not good for what you're trying to do. And I, I mean, that's kind of the thing to think about here is like, that's the motivation. That's the, their design intent is to create builds where you can mess up. Now they've built in stuff to make it less like traps. Like back in, back in the original, wow, the talent system straight up had traps in it. And they've said this, I remember ghost crawler of all people talking about how some talent choices were just straight up traps. So you shouldn't, you shouldn't pick that. They were just there. And, and they're trying not to do that. But at the same time, in order for a talent choice to be meaningful, it has to have a, a concrete impact on what you're doing. So I'm going to ask you, uh, since you're you are much more happy about this than Joe or myself, what do you think they're what do you think the the outcome here is going to be? Like, do you think that they're going like what are they trying to get players to want to do here? I know you haven't seen Paladin yet because they haven't released Paladin yet. Yeah, so. I mean, see, my problem with this is mostly that I cannot make informed commentary because I play a Paladin and that's what I know. I don't play a ton of alts, so I don't know other classes very well so i can look at them and but i'm gonna look at them and say oh okay well that's a thing that looks fine because i don't know very well um but you're you're right on there for it to be a meaningful choice you have to give something else up to get that choice and i like the idea of having meaningful choices and a lot of people are talking about things you're losing with the talent system but like the thing is we've been so used to the current talent system where you go and you pick your spec and you get almost like you get 95% of your abilities just by clicking the spec button. And now it's not going to be with a talent tree. It's not going to be exactly the same way. You get some spec abilities, but a lot of them you pick and choose. And it's like, there's got to be a balance there. And I don't know what the balance is. And until I see a talent tree that I'm really familiar with, it's, it's very hard for me to comment on, have they done this right? Have they done this wrong? Uh, I've been thinking about it a lot because a lot of people are talking about it. I know a lot of people who are just really unhappy at everything they're losing. And I've been thinking about, okay, well, what would I, is there something in Paladin that I would be really upset if I lost? Something that I would be really upset if it became a talent instead of baseline ability. And so I've been thinking about, okay, what might become talents? Now, see, part of the problem here is that I played on the original talent system and I did not mind it at the time. So back in the day, Holy Paladin's Holy Shock was a talent and it was pretty high on the tree. You like really had to go after it. So I think, well, yeah, you know, Shockadin was a decision. Shock. Yeah, it was a it was a decision to not do other things so you could go and get that Holy Shock. Um, so, yeah, I think, well, what if they made Holy Shock a talent? And I, I kind of think, well... 
I'd be okay with that. I'd just, you know, I'd make a build that included Holy Shock because Holy Shock is great and you you want to have Holy Shock. <laughs> but yes, I just feel like I'm I'm not capable of having a serious discussion about this because I do not know my own class. Yeah, and we, that is, we don't yeah. have that info yet. That's one of the things that at this point we've had about I want to say half the classes, maybe less than half. Less than half. <laughs> so, like Joe Joe primarily plays shaman, I primarily play warrior. Uh, Liz primarily plays Paladin. I know we all have alts of varying, like Joe's pretty familiar with Hunters because his original character was a Hunter. I have a Hunter alt, but I don't play her that much. I just, every so often I'll go tame some dinosaurs because <laughs> it's it's me. Uh, but yeah, so it, it is hard for me to talk about this. And I, I when we had uh, the other day when I was doing the queue last week, someone had, like in the comments had written up an incredibly detailed uh, comment about priests and i was sitting there going wow you should have done this in one joe was when mitch was going to read he could have actually helped you i i got nothing unfortunately but i i do think you know it's interesting to see people these points it it really does depend on what abilities feel less spec defining and more class defining that's that's kind of the point that i was getting at uh on sunday i was on the the girls gone wild podcast and somebody had asked about talents in general i believe it was our friend at semi actually um that's the part that keeps sticking with me. I'm all for more choice. I want more choice. Liz and I have talked about this beforehand. I am oh, not yeah. a, I am not opposed to deeper talent trees. My problem is how much are they carving away from core classes and putting into the talent trees? Because there there is a fine line, and Liz is absolutely correct. There's a fine line between um like balancing what constitutes a meaningful choice. I don't like the statement that they made about it because that's not the only way to have meaningful choice. That's the old way of thinking about meaningful choice, which is you have to give something up to have something else. But like with Hunter, I'm not happy, right? And this is just me personally. I played, I've played my character since vanilla. I've given my feedback already uh, regarding what I see with the talents. I can't, I haven't played, so I can't give them anything more than that. But if it is, it stands. I'll be mothballing my my Hunter because it feels like core identities of those specs are taken off and put into talents. So I've, I've changed my way of thinking of it's, it's not necessarily what's being taken away. It's if I were to take no talents, does the class and spec still feel like the class and spec? And maybe that's unfair, but if I choose Beastmaster hunter, but it's just hunter, there's nothing really else that feels defining about like you brought up kill command, but kill commands elsewhere. Kill commands been around forever. Um, you know, so does that feel like beast mastery without me going into the talents? If the answer is no, then it's, it's not a success from my point of view. If the answer is yes, then it is a success. Like even during the days when like spirit link totem was a talent and it was a high talent or manatee totem was a talent and it was a high talent. The class like resto shaman still felt like resto shaman even without it. Right? So it's a, it's a weird balancing point and I'm encouraging people to give, their constructive feedback on it. I'm looking forward to getting my hands on it so that I can actually feel it out myself. But it's, it's, that's the core that I'm looking for is does the class and spec feel like the class and spec without having to pick any of the talents or before you start picking talents and defining what your resto shaman looks like or what your Beastmaster hunter looks like or what your holy paladin looks like. Cause that's, that's always been the ideal for me, right? It's, it's not, just picking your like you're picking a spec which is what we have now you pick a spec and that's really it and that's that like liz points out and i agree those talents is just they they, for most classes don't make a huge impact versus i want it to be like in liz's case you pick a holy paladin but then you spec yourself out to be a specific type of holy paladin but at your core you still feel like a holy paladin and that's what i want for my shaman experience too so and maybe that's selfish maybe that's a little bit much for me to, to ask but that's what i'm looking for and I hope I hope that we can get there. Okay. Uh, at this point, I think we talked about this one quite a bit. So, um, just say we're going to move on to talking about Diablo Immortal briefly uh, because they've finally told us and released it's out now. I believe, right? I'm, I'm sure this is out yeah. now. Yeah. Season season two's uh, out. The new battle pass has launched as of last week, and since it happened after the podcast, we didn't talk about it last week. So here we are again, uh, Blizzard, you <laughs> magnificent peeps. Uh, yeah, it's the Bloodsworn Battle Pass, I believe, with yeah. uh, you um, know various. This, you know how the Battle Pass works if you've played Immortal. It's basically the same. Uh, various legendary gems, crests, hills, and stuff as you do the challenges. 
Um, there's also two paid versions of it. Um, the Empowered Battle Pass and the Collector's Empowered Battle Pass. Same as they had in Season 1. But this one's theme is basically those crazy Bloodsworn people that, that worship the Countess. You remember the Countess from Diablo 2. She's back in Diablo Immortal and, and she's worse. Um, so yeah, I, I uh, when you showed this to me, Liz, honestly, I looked at it and said, that that cosmetic set does not tempt me in the slightest. Uh, I am Same. not motivated yeah. to spend money on this. So why don't you talk about it since you're the one that showed it to me? Oh, the cosmetic set? I mean, it's just, it's one of those kind of, it's kind of a blood fest. You're kind of covered in like organic red stuff. And it's just, I don't find the look appealing at all. And this is kind of <laughs> one of the things that I think doesn't work with the battle pass. Because whether you pay for it or not, you know, like, okay, you're getting some utilitarian stuff by getting the battle pass and going through the levels. but you know, you get basically the entire battle pass. You get one cosmetic set. You get a cosmetic set and a cosmetic weapon. And that's it. And it has a specific look. Like, I can tell already that they're trying to theme each season. But it's like you get one thing. It's a specific look. And you either like it or you don't like it. And in my case, I'm like, oh, this this is not my style. I'm not excited it's, about this. It, it seriously looks like they were trying to make a jam sandwich. And they just dropped the jar on themselves. <laughs> and then decided to go with it. Like, you know, my dread power is magnificent. You're just wearing jam. It's just jam, Jim. What's wrong with you? Like, yeah. Uh, I, oh, I, I forgot to mention there's a new boss for the Heliquary. Uh, Vitath, mm-hmm. the Shivering Death. And then there's like, I don't know the weekend event, the Hungering Moon weekend event. I don't know what that is. I, I don't, I, do you know what that is? Um, I mean, it's just, it's an event. You're going to go and, and uh, you're going to go murder things and get things. And there's like a currency involved, which just complicates things because there are so many currencies in Di- Diablo Immortal yeah, yeah, already. Yeah, there are too many concurrencies in Diablo Immortal. Like I went to start playing Diablo 3 because it was simpler. Uh, yeah that says a lot if you know anything about Uh, diablo 3 works yeah there are so many systems um but it's a special weekend event that's going to start on july 15th which that's that's this weekend yes uh three days as of the time of this recording oh my gosh july 15th to july 18th and um you you grab event quests and you complete them and you get moon slivers, which I assume you'll be able to do something with. Um, the Blizzard's post on it said you earn moon slivers, which you can trade for blessings. And I don't know what those are. Um, we'll find out. Yeah, but there's been also been some balance changes. Uh, they yeah they uh, changed the damage on a few wizard abilities, um, which actually looked like good changes for wizard damage. They all seem to have gone up. Uh, the ones I'm looking at is Arcane Wind got a damage and range increase. Uh, the legendary Syndra's Fang also got a uh, increase to what it provides for Arcane Wind. And Lightning Nova and the legendary affixes of it uh, increased the damage of Lightning Nova and its multi-hit damage as well. And then Monk's... Monks basically got the same treatment. Several abilities on monks were buffed, uh, like Exploding Palm, the Exploding Palm Legendary, Scolding Storm. Uh, looking down here, the another Exploding Palm Legendary, the Path of the Present, that got a buff as well, and the Exploding Palm Legendary, Reaching Rebuke, got a range increase. No, no, it's a damage increase. Got a damage increase as well. So basically, they just buffed a couple. They buffed wizards and monks, probably because they were feeling a little weak. And then they fix some bugs and yeah. And everything else we've already talked about. So in general, you know, it's not, Oh, go ahead. Liz. There is one really interesting thing that came out of the blog post they made about this, which is they said they're doing another content update this month, which they haven't given us all the details on, but they did say that we're going to get class changes in the next content. Oh, update, the ability which to switch be... classes. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. So you'll be able to swap classes and that will be, it'll be neat. Um, we don't know the process exactly. We don't know the details. We just know that it's coming later this month and there's yeah. only so much month left. So got to be soon. Yeah. They talked about that before Diablo Mortal came out. Uh, I think it mm-hmm. was uh, like Liz P wrote up their uh, thing about it. So that's something that I was expecting on launch, quite frankly, and I was a little surprised when it wasn't there. So I'm interested to see how that actually ends up working. Uh, I, mean, I, I think they originally said it was going to be available shortly after launch. Like they didn't promise it. But they said no. it's going to be here soon. Soon. So, yeah, as Liz pointed out, 
the month is almost over. So, you know, well, I'm not almost over. We've, we've got yeah, half a month to go. Through. Yeah. Uh, I can't, can't, don't let yourself sing a Bon Jovi song now. Okay. I'm good. <laughs> uh, let's see what else is we should we be talking about. There was, uh, we should talk about some Dragonflight stuff because we've got a couple of things to mention there. Uh, briefly though, before we do that, I just want to mention if you're playing wild classic season of mastery, currently next Ramos is on the PTR, uh, I believe. So yeah, that's, that's going to be out soon. And then y'all are going to be doing next Ramos. And then basically that's it for content for wild classic season of mastery. And a lot of players have been like, okay, what happens then? What happens to my character? I've spent the last year leveling up and raiding and everything with, do I just walk away from it? And blizzard has decided, no, no, you do not. You will get a free transfer at the end of the season to either a classic era server, which means you'll stay level 60 uh, and you'll just be in the end game of classic era forever. Or you can go to what are going to be wrath classic servers, because keep in mind, all burning crusade classic servers are going to be wrath classic servers. Once the wrath uh, classic expansion is released They're they're not doing burning crusade era servers. They're just not doing that. So if you want to, you can go to one of those servers before Wrath comes out and then level up to 70 and be ready when Wrath Classic comes out. That's the current plan. We don't know exactly how it's going to work because we don't know when the Season of Mastery is going to be considered done. Like how, how much Nax rating are people going to get to do before they say, okay, that's it, click. We don't have an answer to that question. So yeah, but at least if you're playing a Season character, you, you know you don't have to leave your character behind. Uh, I don't feel like there's much else that needs to be said about that. It's it's a good thing that they did, and I, I appreciate it. So I'm going to move on to the Drakthir customization preview, where I, didn't it say something to the effect of there's literally 80 million possible customization options? Like if you yeah, add up all ridiculous. the things, yeah, it, it's kind of nuts. Uh, Joe, did you get to see it? I've been looking at it, uh, but I mean, it sounds like y'all have gone a little bit deeper than me, so feel free. Okay, they put out a new preview uh, this week. Um, I don't know when day, this was. Yeah, July 11th. This was also yesterday. My God, the time is just melting around me. It was. It was the day before yesterday. We just didn't post until yesterday morning. Well, no, today's the Wait, 12th. Wait, no, it this was yesterday. On the 11th. Oh my God, what even? What is yeah, even time? time? Go for yeah. it. Carry on. Carry but on. Basically, uh, when they put this preview out, they literally on Twitter said something to the effect of there are 80 million possible customization options because there's. The way customization works, the way anything where you have multiple options, basically, if there's 30 choices for part one and then 30 choices for part two, you can have any one of the 30 and then any one of the 30. And it just, it gets multiplicative really fast. There are a lot of options for the people. There's just looking at all the various horn types. They have like a lot of horn types. They've got a lot of body types. They've got different colors. They've got different sizes. Um, It is... It is pretty crazy. Uh, it, it takes, if you guys remember when we went into uh, Shadowlands and, you know, one of the, I think, yeah, there was like the new scarring options and so forth. There were a lot of new customization options for current characters. And I, I remember being extremely excited about it. I still am. I think it's one of the best things I've ever done. The direct there are like taking that to a whole nother level. I mean, it's kind of nuts. They even have like different, like according to this video, they've got different body types that you can select. I'm looking at like their, this one has three, no four. Sorry. It's got four. Yeah. You can like bulk up or slim down. So your Drakthir, your Drakthir evoker doesn't have to look like a swole bro. He can be like a skinny Drakthir. That's crazy. I've wanted that for regular world of Warcraft for years. And, and we're going to get it with the Drakthir, which is nice. I I just, wow. That's just, this is a lot of customization options. Uh, I am super excited about it. Either of you like plan like, on playing a drag there? Uh, I think it's very possible. It just sort of depends. You know, I've been playing this Holy Paladin for a long time. I've rolled this character in Burning Crusade, and uh, I'm attached to it. But I'm also, you know, I'm kind of ready for something new. So it kind of depends on how happy I am with Paladins this coming expansion. Maybe it's time for just dramatic change and more you heard dragons in my life. Poop on, on <laughs> Paladins. Poop on them hard. <laughs> I mean, uh, or, or maybe make paladins really great, so I'm not tempted to start all over learning a different character class. No, poop on them. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Joe, uh, you thinking about playing a director at all? I will roll one and mess around with it, but it's not going to be my main. Um, I'm definitely interested in it, mostly from an aesthetic standpoint. 
Uh, I like the idea that in the customization, you can be color combinations of flights that don't exist, um, or at least not in the main canon of the story as it exists today. That will probably change when things get released. Um, but yeah, it's it's cool to see white dragons and multicolored dragons and different shades and, and different things like that. So um, I like the idea that you can have uh, skinny and bulky bodies. That was one of the things that I really liked about um, uh, Kaltirans. I thought that was a really neat touch. So I'll have one as an alt. I'll probably mess around with it, but uh, yeah, there's no way I'm going to heal on anything that's not a shaman. So no, I'm good. <laughs> Do Drifter have a healing option? Yep. Oh yeah, they're, they're a DPS spec and a healing spec. That's all they got. Correct. I didn't know that. I thought they were just DPS. Mid, mid I should have. I, I probably nope. did know it and just forgot. Mid-range DPS, mid-range heals. All right, all right. There's also um, a lot of stuff for the crafting and profession system. Um, one of the things we know is they're getting rid of flasks in Dragonflight. They have something called files, which I am not clear on how they are different than flasks, quite frankly. Uh, I, I just... I saw that and was, hmm, and then moved on. There's the commodities <laughs> market, which is opening now. Uh, uh, no, 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 it's, it's not, I don't think it, it's not now, is it? I'm asking. I, is it, I, I didn't think it was, no. But the commodities market, which will allow people to, you know, trade more stuff between servers, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, in my opinion, good. Uh, there, there is a lot of stuff coming for Dragonflight. Like, I, I don't know how much of it we can really talk about it in the time we have left, quite frankly. Uh, since it's now 7.20 and I want to do at least a couple emails after I begged That's, for emails from, how, from, 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 you know, how Discord. How so late? How have we talked for nearly an hour and a half already? There's a lot a of lot news. A lot of stuff happened. Yeah, a lot of this stuff is, happened. Yeah, this this is going to be how it is until the Dragonflight releases. Like, it's it's going to yeah, be probably. news and news and news and news. But at this point, I think we are going to move on and do a couple emails. Uh, if, you know, you want to send a question to the show, you can either go to our Discord uh, we have two channels. If you're a patron, you can go to the Patron Q and Podcast Questions channel, and you know we look there first because you guys pay the bills, and we want to give something back. Uh, or you can go to the uh, Q and Podcast Questions channel for anybody who wants to go to our Discord because we understand not everybody can be a patron, um, but we still care about y'all and want your your questions and stuff. That's that's also cool. Also, you can email us at podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast of blizzardwatch. Uh, so we know it's for this particular show because we now have like what seventeen podcasts? I forget. We have a lot of podcasts, <laughs> and people are trying to get us to do more all the time. Atane, I I don't have time to do a comic book podcast too. But please. I appreciate. But I appreciate you. I appreciate it, but, but please, I need to eat and see my dog. She's very cute. I want to see my dog occasionally, Atani. Please let me not do a comics podcast unless you really want to go and give us more money on Patreon, guys, and then I'll do it. Anyway, uh, usually I do weird stuff and force these guys to fight for my approval, but I'm not going to do that this time because instead I'm going to just go straight to this one. Lefty, you've been adulting a while. Take a moment to pick your favorite dinosaur. (laughs) And there's a bunch of dictures of dinosaurs, but there was a follow-up question. Flan, wasn't it determined shortly after we got rid of Pluto that Brontosaurus did not exist, just a side effect of the Bone War? And the answer to your question, Flan, is no. Brontosaurus was actually taken out way back in the like 1920s because the specimen that, that Othniel Charles Marsh called Brontosaurus, he'd already named another animal of that species. And that's Apatosaurus. So that was the the rule up until 2015 when enough data was assembled on various apatosaurus to say nope these ones are different they're not apatosaurus they're in fact brontosaurus so brontosaurus is back baby brontosaurus <laughs> exists right now he's he's valid again you can call a dinosaur brontosaurus and you are not talking about an apatosaurus but a close relative i just wanted to say that before i then said I don't have a favorite dinosaur unless I get to say all of them because I love every dinosaur. However, if I must pick a specific dinosaur, I will always, 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 always pick T-Rex because T-Rex had adorable little arms. They're just so cute. And quite frankly, if you haven't gone and watched Prehistoric Planet, you should. Now, I will let Joe and and Liz talk about actual questions. Uh, Oh, I was going to say because my favorite dinosaur is Dreadnoughtus. Yeah, go ahead. If you have favorite <laughs> dinosaurs, by all means, tell us what they are. It's Dreadnoughtus. It's the largest dinosaur who we can verifiably like 
uh, like have a complete skeleton to see how tall they were, uh, which was unearthed. And I think I want to say it was like 2009. I absolutely am in love with it also because I love the name Dreadnought. Uh, so Dreadnoughtus is definitely, you know, it's key. It's good. Uh, Liz? I would say Triceratops, except I don't think that's its technical name anymore. No, no. Triceratops is the valid one. It's not no, they, it's, that whole deal. Okay, it's still a Triceratops. Oh, yeah, totally I, is. I mean, Triceratops just look cool. That's that's all I got. Yeah, Triceratops Heredotus is absolutely okay. You do not have to worry about him. All right. Okay, uh, good. Joe, read what's off, off my shoulders. Uh, uh, okay, I will. Uh, we don't have time for that. We do. We've got six minutes. Go. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> Okay, okay. Lord Soth here with a question. He even says up front, you don't have to do all of them. Sure. Uh, Question slash prompt that could probably be its own show entirely. I agree, actually. This is why I didn't pull this question. Uh, But I had a wonderful idea, and I would love to hear our wonderful podcast host discuss, debate, or even toss their own matchups in the mix. But if they if they want, but Blizzard versus Marvel, I have a ton of matchups. Please don't feel free like you have to answer all of these. Uh, But there's a ton here, so I'm just gonna let Matt go because there's a lot here. You don't want to do any of them. I'm good. All right. <laughs> we'll be here forever. Time me. Uh, Infested Kerrigan versus Professor X. Infested Kerrigan because Professor X is a jerk. Uh, Diablo versus Hulk. Hulk because Hulk is the strongest one there is. Widowmaker versus Black Widow. They're not going to fight. They'll just have one of those weird bantery fights that never resolves anything. They'll both leave thinking they won. Hanzo versus Hawkeye. Hawkeye. He's just a better shot. Jaina versus Doctor Strange. Jaina because I don't like Doctor Strange. He's kind of a He's kind of a jerk. Um, Megatork versus Iron Man. I have to give it to Iron Man because while he is also a jerk, he's an entertaining jerk. Uh, Tracer versus Nightcrawler. They would never fight. They're two cinnamon rolls. They would spend five minutes talking and be best friends forever. Odin versus Thor. Thor hits Odin again and again and again and says, did I prove myself to you yet? And hits him again. And I, I sit in the background eating some popcorn and cheer. That's that's basically what I want to do with Odin every yes. time I meet him. So Lost Vikings versus MCU's Guardians of the Galaxy. I are going to team up on a cosmic road trip. Uh, <laughs> Cole Cassidy versus Punisher. Cole Cassidy. Uh, Thrall versus Storm. Storm. Nobody can beat Storm. Um, they, they let Wonder Woman lose to Storm. If Wonder Woman loses to Storm, Thrall loses to Storm. Yeah. Uh, Winston versus Beast. Again, I don't see a lot of fighting going on. Uh, Ragnaros versus Human Torch. Are you kidding me? The Human Torch is great, but Ragnaros <laughs> is literally living fire. Ragnaros. Sargeras versus Galactus. Galactus I, would just eat Sargeras. Yeah, Sargeras is a Titan. Titans are born out of planets. Sargar- Titan- Galactus eats planets. It's, it's Galactus in a walk. Ashara versus Scarlet Witch. Ashara. Scarlet Witch is technically more powerful I, than Ashara. Mm, no, that, we know why, of, that we know of. Scarlet Witch can alter reality. Uh-huh. She can just wish things into happening if she if she wants to. But I give the fight to Ashara because Scarlet Witch has had a long history of mental instability. And Ashara would play on that. Ashara would have the Scarlet Witch as a sidekick in five minutes. Like just that's just what would happen. Anubarak versus Spider-Man. Spider-Man always wins any fight where there's any possibility of it being won by Spider-Man. He's Spider-Man. <laughs> Which Come is, on. It's Spider-Man. He doesn't lose. Yeah. Spider-Man will beat the Juggernaut. Spider-Man will beat a herald of galactus spider-man will actually beat thanos with a cosmic cube he spider-man beat once. death multiple times yes. literal death spider-man is going to beat anubarak taran versus shang chi Ooh, shang chi yeah shang chi taran i like taran but yeah shang chi no way <sighs> and i did it in three minutes I, you you did skip one which one did i skip soldier 76 versus captain america is that they wouldn't there? they oh, wouldn't, yeah, they wouldn't fight they wouldn't fight. Soldier 76 would salute and say, yes, sir. How can I help you? And Captain America would go, son, it's okay. And that would be it. Yeah. Sorry, wow, I skipped so that. What are we supposed to do with the next three minutes? Okay. Uh, next question. <laughs> I'll actually read this one. Hi, folks. Okay. Star Wars The Old Republic just implemented a system where you get a permanent secondary combat skill. A Jedi Knight can take on the secondary class skills of the Sith Sorcerer, for example. Do you think such a system would work benefit players in WoW or even be possible? I can't see it happening without a lot of restrictions. Thanks. Uh, Beragorm, uh, Warlock of Cadgar. I'm going to make Liz answer this one first. Liz? I mean, y'all know that I like player choice and I like crazy hybrid ideas and having cross-class functionality of any kind would open up new crazy hybrid ideas and I love it. I love the idea of like off-the-wall classes like a paladin rogue or a you know just you could do weird things like I love multi-classing in D&D with stupid stuff that doesn't make sense or work together. I played a bard warlock once and it was just weird and fun 
And yeah, I'm all for this. I agree. You would have to put in a lot of restrictions to make it just kind of balanced and make it not just kind of like if I were a paladin rogue, it's like you would want to still feel like a paladin, but you would want to add some more flavor. And uh, you would really have to work on it to make it not just crazy unbalanced and maybe even not fun if you did it the wrong way, if it didn't work. But yeah, more crazy combos. I love it. Joe? City Heroes did it in 2003, and they did it best. Like, literally, the system was was implemented to allow you to have uh, secondaries that uh, basically could mix and match between all the power sets, and it did restrict you. Uh, your primary had access to everything. Your secondary had a limit that it could go up to uh, to limit your power pool, and then your travel powers were completely separate on their own thing. Um, and then they even introduced a tertiary power system uh, partway through when they released essentially light and dark elementals into the game. That system worked exceptionally well, did not make things feel incredibly broken. Um, to this day, I maintain had some of the best PvP ever because of it, because it was just you could have one uh, super reflexes scrapper and another super reflexes scrapper, and they feel completely different, but they were also balanced because of the restrictions uh, and including the heroes versus villains when you had the point where you were city heroes versus city of villains and you were fighting. Nobody felt like one spec outweighed the others. Uh, it, you could have a brute that was also a mental controller. So you could have the Hulk with like the touch of the Jean Grey power. Uh, it it was phenomenal and it was fun and it allowed you a lot of meaningful customization into your character and power set so that you didn't feel like you were samey with everybody else. So if they wanted to do that, just rip off that system. I'm going to say it right now. City Heroes hasn't been around for a while. Like, Go ahead and do it. You have people that work in your company that worked on City of Heroes. Let's just go ahead and do this. You know you want to. I'm here for it. Yeah, I honestly feel like I don't think, obviously, we're not going to get that in Dragonflight, and I don't know if we ever would get it, but I think it would be a good idea for them to be looking towards the future, towards that kind of lateral expansion of classes. Like, imagine letting a paladin, you know, if you say Liz's rogue paladin idea. Imagine if if the rogue paladin basically had to res- restrict itself to the armor types of a rogue to use the rogue abilities, clank, but they still, clank, clank. yeah, yeah, can't do that and be roguey. But as a result of this, you know, since they can't use daggers, they could use swords, and they could actually get rogue dual wield, and you could balance it around. There's certain things they couldn't get, like for instance, I isn't like I, I'm backstab requires daggers, correct? I used to. I, I don't so. know if it does anymore. I don't know if it does anymore, but you know. Uh, restrictions like that would keep them from getting access to everything rogue related and they'd have to have some rogue restrictions. But yeah, I don't see any reason why you couldn't make that workable. Liz mentioned uh, her bard, her bard warlock. Bard warlock sounds crazy, but you know what really works in D&D? Barbarian? I'm done? Hmm. No. I do love barbarians, but that's not what I'm talking about. No, Bardbarian. That's a little nice character. Yeah, no, that one's good too. But the one I'm talking about is, you ever heard of the Witch Knight build? Yes. Paladin Warlock. Yep. Paladin Oath of Ancients, Warlock Fey Patron. Yep. Death on the Ground. And it works so well because they both use charisma. Mm -hmm. Go Hexblade for the Warlock. Go Oath of, you know, just just go around smiting people. And the best part is you can like smite and then hit them with an Eldritch Blast. It's just like you can, you know, just, just, you can't smite. You're all just blast damage, unfortunately, because smites have to be a melee attack. But you can split it up, and it's really nice. Unless you take there, are, there are certain specializations that you can take that allow you to smite at ranged. There are things to make you yeah, do that. But just for the basics, at any rate, really great, really great thing to play. I, I had a lot of fun playing one. So yeah, I think that WoW should be looking towards that kind of class diversity. I mean, a lot of its competitors, even one of the games they're putting out, is going to have class switching. When Diablo Mortal is more flexible on what you can do with your class than your your pre, your premier MMO, the, the game you've been running since 2004, it's time to look into that for a while. Uh, I really do agree with that. But I think that's going to be time. Actually, it's a little over time, but, you know, hey, we, we started a little late in the pre-show. So uh, either of you guys have anything else you want to talk about before we leave? No. Like Joe? I'm good. You sure, Joe? I'm sure. There's no thing you might want to say right now? I'm going to do the outro. That's what I'm talking about. 
so Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast setting community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads free site experience. Thank you very much, Joe. Um, I just want to say that, yeah, I want Thor to hit Odin in the face until there is no face. I'm hoping Odin becomes a villain soon. Maybe even in this expansion. He could he could totally be a villain in this expansion. Anyway. We're going all to our calling it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anybody likes Odin. Oh, God. Hey, they, we got hung up on in Battle for Azeroth. We still haven't got the receipt for that yet. Thank you. <laughs> Dude, the world was in trouble. Um, this has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. Uh, thanks to my co-hosts, uh, Joe and Liz, for being here and and I guess enabling me. Uh, thanks to all of you for coming along and listening while I go on about dinosaurs for like five minutes even though i really shouldn't have uh if you guys are going around next week we'll be here too and we'd love to have you so think about it we do a podcast every week thank you guys for being here and we will see you next week Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.